And if you wanted an aluminum rocker guard to be as strong as a quarter inch steel rocker guard, it would have to be three quarters of an inch thick, uh, which defeats the purpose of saving weight because now you're at the same weight. Um, I've seen every aluminum bumper and aluminum rocker guard fold. I've, I haven't seen good ones pulled up to the abuse that, you know, we don't want to put our Jeeps through, but sometimes it's inevitable. This Roundtable episode is sponsored by you, the listener. Thank you for listening to our show. You can sponsor the Roundtable episode easily and cheaply. A key word there is cheaply. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to reach out. This could uh, And you could be a sponsor as soon as our next episode. On tonight's episode, we're going to be asking you uh, steps on a Jeep. You know what I'm talking about here? The, the, the little side steps, the things that you have to step on to get up and uh, into your Jeep because, uh, you know, you broke a hip and, and you need all the help you can get to get in. <laughs> uh, so it's not just for that. But anyway, uh, and also, too, we had so much fun last week just talking about what you want to talk about, which is the Zoom people, uh, that we're going to do that again this week. I mean, I may throw a question or two in there that I'm curious about. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be kind of a, a roundtable, uh, you know, just uh, what do you want to talk about type thing. Anyway, you can submit your questions for the roundtable, and uh, we will use them. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Are you ready? It's time for the Jeep Talk Show with hosts Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Chuck. All right, so please consider joining the discussion by being part of our weekly Zoom meeting. Uh, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to join. All right, uh, to our roundtable meeting attendees, please introduce yourself with your name and location the first time you speak tonight. This helps the listeners know your voice when you speak. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see the people's faces. So I, uh, I recommend going over to YouTube. Uh, we're on YouTube Live as well, so you can actually uh, watch in to, to what we're doing here uh, on uh, these nights that we uh, record. Every Tuesday night starts at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Show starts uh, at 8 p.m. Central Time. Hello, Zoom people. Hola. Bonjour. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? All right. Pretty good. good Pretty good. Bill, you don't. You sound like you're not sure. No, I'm good. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm Bill from Central Texas. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I like it whenever. Uh, I like it when John Lee uh, corrects people. You know, it tells them it goes and fills in who they are and where they are. <laughs> and it's pretty cool. We have a a, a very uh, a, a consistent group week after week here on the show, and I really appreciate that. Uh, but I don't want anybody to feel like they can't join just simply because you're not one of the usuals, uh, one of the usual suspects that uh, join here every night. Because we have fun. We're well, very welcoming. Welcoming you guys will actually notice the new people before I do and welcome them into the uh, the Zoom room. Great group here. Um, so uh, I was, I'm going to go ahead and tell this because I'm really excited about it. Uh, I was uh, telling the everybody here before we got started that, uh, uh, and I'm going to say it wrong and just embarrass myself, uh, Stacy David with Gears. Is it Stacy David or David Stacy? Stacy David. Stacey David, okay. <laughs> uh, I am actually a fan, and I've uh, watched him. It was a number of years ago that I, I saw him on Gears, and somebody here was telling me that he was also uh, on uh, on trucks, which seems to, I seem to remember that was years ago. And uh, anyway, we're going to be having uh, him on the show in the next couple of weeks. Oh, and what I didn't mention to you guys is it's going to be a simultaneous interview uh, with him uh, interviewing me uh, at the same time we're interviewing him. Cool. 
Yeah, awesome. absolutely. It's wonderful, and we really appreciate yeah. that. And that was uh, that's Fu Bob's fault uh, that we're going to be uh, uh, interviewing uh, uh, Stacy David. Isn't it usually Bob's fault? <laughs> well, when it's not Bob's fault, it's uh, Steve O's. Yeah, hey, you know. <laughs> Anyway, big thanks to uh, to Bob. But as I mentioned earlier, I don't want you to stop giving Bob a hard time just because he's done good. Not a problem. All right. So here's the question for tonight. Um, so I, I know you guys know how I feel about steps on a Jeep, even if it's not a off-road Jeep. Uh, it's still off-road capable, and I don't think it should have side steps hanging down low to make it difficult for you get to get over things. So I, quite often I will have a, a definite feel about something and I've not considered all the possibilities. Uh, so I thought I would open this up to you guys. And if you haven't already stated it to me, or maybe you can state it again, why is having steps on a Jeep something that would be acceptable at any time? Are you talking like a step that hangs down or like a rock rail? That no, hangs, hangs down. down. Definitely hangs down. Rock rails, anything that is good for rocks and uh, something that isn't a cheapo uh, a thin wall uh, metal uh, tube. I don't think anybody makes plastic ones. God, I hope not. Uh, but even uh, even plastic ones, stuff that isn't uh, isn't proper for off-road use. Roger from Wisconsin. I don't know, but I mean, for myself, I don't really care for them other than I have the the recon so it's got like the running board step but that's up there above the rock or the yeah the rocker cards but for my wife she's got the rock slide engineering steps and i just like i mean the fact that she can shut them off and then they don't come down or you know when after lifting her jeep it was a little harder for her to get in so she she really likes them but unfortunately they come with a price a very very big price uh, i'm hoping to get those but people they are nice yeah no, I've heard they are nice. Have you ever had uh, any situation where they the, uh, the the step part wouldn't come down or wouldn't go back up? Um. Well, I had one situation. Well, we may have to get well, back with you uh, uh, there, Roger, because you just dropped out on us. Um, I wish Larry was here. Larry's in Germany, so we can't talk to him sensor, about so it. So when I open the door. Well, when I opened the door, they, they didn't come down because the magnet was stuck to the sensor. Just because it was cold, it, it unstuck itself. But shortly thereafter, it restuck itself when it warmed up, and it never had a problem. But also had a problem with one of the hinge pins on it. Uh, the weld broke on it, but they were really good. They, they shipped me out the wrong one the first time and then the right one the second time. Yeah, this is Chip from Illinois. I've, I've, I know a guy, so Tony, just like, when we were talking about Garmin, I know a guy here with Rockslide. I can get him in touch with Chris, and we'll get him on the show. Good. Um, Rockslide is a great company. They they make good parts. It's not an answer to your question on steps or not, but if you're going to do steps, Rockslide does a nice job. They take care of their customers, and I absolutely they've got, they've got extra armor if you're really going to bang it hard. Um, I have seen them fail, but something goes wrong, but they've stood behind it. Um, whether it's a, an actuator motor or something. But anyway, to answer your question about steps, you know, having led some newbies out on the trails, inevitably you're going to have somebody that's got those hanging down steps that hang down six, eight, ten inches. And the excuse is my wife's short, uh, my elderly grandmother likes to ride in my Jeep, and I have to have those so she can get in. But if, if you're going to be on the street all the time, Okay, I guess. Your, your point, Tony, is if you're on the street and you need to use it in an emergency situation or go over an obstacle, it'll inhibit you. Most of the time, those things just fold and bend out of the way. 
<laughs> not designed right. necessarily. Not designed, right? <laughs> but we often, like at the beginning of the trail ride with the Jamboree Jeep Adventure Academy, we'll tell people, hey, take those off. We're not, you know, or we're not, or they'll make, we'll definitely point out saying, we are not responsible. Those will probably get damaged on the trail. Do people seem surprised when you say that? I mean, does it not make sense to them that this could be a, a hindrance to being off-road? Well, you have to. So the Deep Adventure Academy is for total newbies. Now, we have had a few more experienced people that signed up just because they wanted the experience. But really, the purpose of Deep Adventure Academy is for people that are brand new, that have never been off-road. They're bringing their brand new Jeep out. And they don't. They may never have even engaged four low before. So to expect them to know that a hang down step is not a good idea, that's what the class is about. You know, they teach them about that. But um, I, I would never have them on my Jeeps <laughs> just because I, you know, it definitely identifies you more of a mall crawler than if, than if you are doing anything off road. No, and I understand. I mean, I have that problem too <clears throat> because I don't want to appear to not be knowledgeable. And, I, and I'm concerned for people out there that maybe that, that, that's how they're going to appear to other people. But, but really the bottom line is, is like what I say, that a, a four-wheel drive situation can happen at any time. It's probably not going to happen. You're probably going to be just just fine. But what if you are, and you were and you were lucky enough to have a Jeep, even a stock Jeep, and now you're in a situation where the Jeep could get you from point A to point B, uh, perhaps even save your life or save somebody else's life that you were trying to get to, and you couldn't get to them because you had steps, side steps, because of a telephone pole or uh, uneven ground you know, in an earthquake situation where you're trying to get up and over a, a step and you've never done it before. And you have this big step because the ground's higher on one side than the other and you need to get there. I mean, you, you could go a different direction, but I'm just, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. It probably would never happen to you, but I'm saying what if. Well, well usually, the, usually there was a to take care of that from what I've seen. I've seen people take it out and they'll catch it on a rock and it'll fix itself. To be <laughs> so, Steve from Illinois as well, but you got to get the right ones. I've got the LED um, rock sliders. My steps bolt on and off. Oh, nice. So just my daughter and my wife to that that argument they come off when i go wheeling actually that took them off when i went up to detroit to um Warfest event and i haven't put them back on yet because it's not summertime the wife and daughter aren't gonna be riding around the jeep much but yeah the led they're great they're aluminum sliders with the steel plate on the bottom and you can actually get individual steps one under each door or you can actually get a running board that bolts on and all it is is a stainless steel t-nut on the back with a with a plastic wing nut with a solid stainless steel uh, bolt in it. So it's it easy to take well. off even if you go yeah. off-road and you forgot. Oh, yeah. You, you could take it off quickly. And I have. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it takes um, 15 seconds per step. You know, I like that. It's It seems like that could be a good aftermarket thing for pretty much any uh, rock slider that is a like a round tube or something. You could probably do something similar to that just simply by drilling a hole and and uh, putting a, a bolt or two through that hole and, uh, and and putting the steps on. I don't think I think it's best to learn how to get in and, in and out of the Jeep uh, without the side steps personally. Which I can do. Yeah. The nice thing is they've gone. So I got them in 2021. And they've survived the Chicago winters. They haven't rusted through. They're stainless steel, so I can't complain there. Mm -hmm. This is uh, Matt in North Carolina. Uh, one other option, you know, obviously the rock slide engineering ones are super expensive, but uh, 
more off-road has a sprung quick disconnect drop down step that'll spring up and stay under the rock uh, like the stock rock rails and you just literally step on them they come down and you can get in and then they have a quick pull pin that'll uh, let you take them off when you're off road does anybody here need uh steps to get in and out of your jeep you do you're old as shit (laughs) (laughs) by the end of a long weekend sometimes it might be nice (laughs) well and if you're if you're parked on an obstacle i mean you know on an angle or there's a big hole i mean sometimes it might make it easier to get back in I just want to mention that's friend of the show, <laughs> Underground Graphics. No, un- unofficial use only. <laughs> Greg Henderson, thank you for joining us, Greg. Oh, no problem. And your words of inspiration. Uh, <laughs> hey, no problem. I'm glad that I can be of help. And uh, just to chime in my two cents, Good. Um, I've tried most all rocker guards one at a time, or at least all of them, most of the quality versions. Um, you know, never the cheap Chinese stuff, but um, I don't know if anybody else heard, but Rockslide Engineering is now in the Jeep accessory catalog. I was trying to look that um, up to see if it was official. Uh, I didn't want to I know yeah. about it, but I didn't want to say out of turn. <laughs> so you yeah, did, which is good. <laughs> it's it's official. Uh, Kevin even put it, you know, Rockslide put it on their social media, but um, and I, I've, I've known about it for a year and a half as they've been working towards it, but um, the modern Jeeps JK, JL, um, they're probably one of the nicest rocker guards. Um, in the in the very beginning, even with the JK, they actually did one that wrapped into the side and drilled holes in your Jeep and the whole nine years. Um, those were my favorites because they were structurally very, very strong. Like, um, I don't know if anybody remembers, John Kappa put them on his Jeep. John Kappa was the editor-in-chief of JP Magazine for a long time. And... He put them on his JK back in like 2009-ish. Um, and that poor red JK, the first time he bought it, he drove it for a couple weeks and a lady ran a red light and T-boned him. And he didn't. He only had the factory Rubicon rocker guards and it totaled his Jeep. So he went and bought a new one. When he got his new Jeep, he put on the Rockslide Engineering sidesteps, the, the very first set. Um, and a lady ran a red light and T-boned him, and he drove <laughs> Was this the same lady? <laughs> no, different lady. It yeah. might be a hit job. <laughs> was it a red Jeep? Yeah. It was a red Jeep. Yeah, um, there's the problem. <laughs> target. But, yeah, the second lady uh, T-boned him at a red light, and um, he drove off of her car after the police allowed him to, and he sustained almost no, no damage at all. Um you know, the, the rock slides originally, I mean, they were just incredibly tough. Even the new ones, which, um, you know, they're just frame mount, but they're still, I've seen guys come off of, you know, four and five foot ledges in Moab and smash on them. And once they get off the obstacle, they open the door and that dumb step comes out and they're good to go. So, not, to the price that quarter inch, not to mention that quarter inch uh, plate that they put on there, a quarter inch thicker. Or pretty close yep. to a quarter-inch thick skid plate that they put, you can put on them. Yeah, they're 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 incredibly heavy. Um, you know, we just installed some right before. What was it, SEMA? Um, but they really are good quality, and I've installed a lot. Like we did. Um, I remember when Jen Wright first started coming out with the aluminum rocker guards. You know, because aluminum was the big thing. I wouldn't put aluminum rocker guards on somebody's Jeep if I didn't like them. Um, 
I've seen, and now if you've got steel skid plates and stuff, that probably helps, but those aluminum ones, when they first came out, and that was 2018-ish, when they were real popular, the Generate ones, um, brought a guy to Moab, very first obstacle that he touched his rocker guard on, it caved in the whole side of his Jeep. Um, oh. Because aluminum is 33% as strong as its steel counterpart. So if you have 3 sixteenths aluminum, it has the structural strength of 16th inch steel. Um, it's, it's just not strong. This has to be a lot thicker is what you're saying. Greg, <clears> what's your opinion strength? on, Greg, what's your opinion on the, uh, the mounting of them? Body bolts versus frame versus pinch welds. Um, honestly, if it was, so if you have a full structural frame mount, they're pretty good. If you're going, doing body bolts and pinch, as in conjunction with each other, but that's going to give you some good strength. Um, and then the last one would be, I've seen the body bolts where they, they mount to the body bolts and the pinch seam, and actually you drill into your rocker guards and put um, like rib nuts in, so then they're attached to the side of the body. Those would be the strongest. So because every every other surface that you attach them to, if you attach them to the body mount bolts and the pinch seam, you're picking up two structural components of the vehicle, which means if you're, if, if you're attaching to both, then you're distributing the load through all of that. So if they get a hit, they distribute the load into the pinch seam and into the body bolts, uh, which is two separate pieces of the body. Um, but you can't do, you can't attach the body and frame simultaneously because the body is mounted on rubber. You know, so the body has to be able to float a certain amount. But if they're if they're just frame, as long as they're you know designed appropriately and attached structurally, then frame mounted ones are great too. Rick from Arkansas, I've got a buddy at work that j just uh, bought a 2018 Rubicon. Um, the previous owner had it built up pretty good. Um, he's getting it delivered tomorrow, and he was showing me all the stuff on the jeep and he said first thing i gotta do is get rid of get rid of these uh these steel rails here on the side and put some steps on it so my wife can get in oh and i was i was kind of cracking up and i said uh i said you're gonna get labeled a mall crawler because uh nobody <laughs> nobody that goes out and does anything you know with their jeep is going to do that and he said i don't care he said my wife wants to get in the jeep she's going to get in the jeep <laughs> yeah I, I can certainly understand that and, and I can understand it 100%. When I was younger, I would have never done it. But um, honestly, the rock slide engineerings are the, and, you know, I hate to pigeonhole one guy and say that that company is great, but they really are good. So he could use those, and it's still a full rock slider that will bash into stuff all day long. And when you open the, you know, and you can turn the step on and off, but when you open the door, step drops out, and it drops out pretty substantially. So it comes out at... Um, I forget the angle. I think it's almost 30 degree angle. So it actually extends outside of the vehicle and drops down about a foot and a half. So it really makes a convenient step. Um, so the downfall is, is they're the priciest, right? They're, I don't know, $2,500. That's what I remember. Like yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's actually another downfall to them though. And got to see that firsthand with Larry's. And that is mud. 
and mud wreaks havoc on his like they stopped they stopped closing all the way they wouldn't come back in and if you're getting in and out a lot and you're in the mud so you know as is most things jeeping a lot of it depends on the train you're in and everything else if you're someone who takes your jeep exclusively through mud bogs and stuff like that you may get a totally different experience out of it and have a totally different opinion for people that oh, are yeah, well, and, and regular stuff you'll probably love them but i know larry's we were in colorado and i think it was stony pass we were on and there was just non-stop mud and he kept get stopping getting out and let the dog out and they would fall down and they he loves them as well don't, i'm not trying to bash them or anything i'm just first-hand experience and then after i don't know three quarters of the way through the trail or whatever when he would stop they would not go all the way back in there was so much mud clogged up in the mechanism and he, yep. he even had the the extra skid plate that he, he bought to go on the outside as well in addition to that and he experienced that so i'm just saying if you're like in florida or somewhere down in south louisiana where you know 90 percent of the train you're hitting the jeep is you know big globby mud you could have a totally different experience than what we're saying oh yeah well, and, and even you can turn them even, off though yeah even here in michigan um i mean we we have mud but but that is the the most beautiful part about it is there's a button right on the dashboard that uh, if you know you're going into mud just turn the damn things off then they won't get stuck and when you're done with your off-roading adventure you can rinse it off now you can let oh the that's great adventure. i didn't realize that that's good i'm glad they do that yeah, there's you can a turn them off. And then, sorry, Greg, go ahead. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, you can turn them off, plus you can also get the door delete kit. So when you take your doors off, then there's a little button on the bottom of the frame of the seat that you just, you know, if you want to get out, you just push the button and the step drops down. Yeah, and they even have a, um, for, for people like Tony, they even have a light <laughs> kit. So yeah, you know, <laughs> it lights up so you can see where. You're oh, going. I didn't hear that. I thought you said life light. Now you got me interested. So, uh, do they? Can you get pontoons uh, on there? I'm asking for Rick. <laughs> you could. I'm, I'm sure that you could. You know, with some ties and some duct tape, you could. You could attach some pretty big pontoons. <laughs> you, you know, Rick. What you could recommend to your buddy is uh, what Larry does for Duke, and that's he could. Have a uh, oh, well, ramp in the back seat yeah. and, walk, and walk around, and he put a ramp down for his wife. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Never mix dogs and wives together <laughs> in the same sentence. <laughs> on, on the trail, it was funny because when you stop, you know that uh, it was time for Duke to come out because you hear that. Whoosh. <laughs> I'm sliding out. We're like, I, like, I like Duke. I mean, Larry goes through a lot of trouble to have Duke there, and it is so nice. All right. Well, that's the question I had. It sounds like to me that there is a solution uh, with uh, the uh, that, that somebody does have a solution out there for sidesteps that uh, can get you uh, up and over things without getting you hung up. But I'll, I'll just say it again. I don't see any good reason to have sidesteps on a Jeep uh, that. Oh, and I, di I didn't mention this. I always mention this. You can always carry a little foldable uh, step with you and put on some uh, paracord onto it if you want to. If you're the one using it to get in and just pull it up and stick it in the back seat uh, or uh, there uh, someplace under your seat and then you have steps that are not going to hang you up and you have a way of getting in and out and if you don't need the step you can always uh, have it there for your passenger my wife uh, will when, when she drives her tj with a four inch lift uh, on 33s uh, her mom our neighbor nobody can get in by themselves so she has to carry a little stool so they can get in there she's only five foot two and she can still get in the jeep you can also just just to go on that, you know, carrying a step stool and stuff. 
you can also get something like this, which is an itty bitty flashlight. And then you don't need rock lights and all the other dumb lights that cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. <laughs> how do you turn them on? And, how do you turn them on and off from inside the vehicle, though? Uh, I mean, well, I, I'm, I'm there the with you with zip ties, but <laughs> yeah, you just push the button, and then if you want to see under your Jeep, you look under your Jeep. You don't need rock lights. <laughs> all right, Grandpa. <laughs> So those the flashlights he's got are great. Uh, I will tell you, if you forget one under the Jeep, it will not be there the next time you look for it. You know, it's funny. When he held that thing up, I thought it was one of those little zapping things, you know, that you can zap somebody and they would jump up in the Jeep when you zapped them. What do you call those things? <laughs> Cattle prod. Cattle prod. <laughs> Cattle prod, yeah. No, but the ones that you use legally. <laughs> Taser? Taser. Taser. Thank you. Not to be confused with the Taser Mini. <laughs> yeah, we need to have a show where we bring Greg on here and just talk about things that Greg hates. It would be a full show. That's I think that's why I get along with Greg so well is because I'm the same way. I have things that I just some things I just don't like. Uh, the rock sliders I think are a wonderful idea. I love everything I hear about them, but but, but just being a, but yeah, but just being a cheap bastard, the price just kills me. Yep. I, I love you to death, and I mean, I build some fancy stuff for some of my clients, and I love the Rockslide Engineering sidesteps, but I'm a cheap bastard, and it, it would be a very hard pill to swallow to install them on my own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I would make a set of rocker guards before spending that kind of money yeah i know you're cheap and and, and that the neat thing is i'll just remind everybody uh greg uh, in theory is coming out with some nice uh, door pockets for the jl and the jt and uh he's uh he walks that walk of being keeping it cheap uh because uh he doesn't like things that are too expensive hey greg other than uh building your own or is there another set out there that you like oh yeah there's uh, i mean surprisingly there's lots of sets um if it's TJ, JK, JL, just, you know, pick your poison. But I have a favorite for all. Um, I even have the designs from the old nth degree ones, which were, I think, the best ones ever for a TJ. So um, that's what I'll I make them myself for the TJ. But um, the Generate ones are really nice. Um, you know, Metal Cloak makes stuff, nice stuff. There's, there's some really high-end companies that make really good stuff. Um, so you can't go wrong. I, I, I will say, I think if you buy aluminum ones, you've gone wrong because <laughs> it's supposed to be a piece of armor. And, you know, most of the rocker guards out there are either three sixteenths or quarter inch. And if you wanted an aluminum rocker guard to be as strong as a quarter inch steel rocker guard, it would have to be three quarters of an inch thick, uh, which defeats the purpose of saving weight because now you're at the same weight. Um, I've seen every aluminum bumper and aluminum rocker guard fold. I've, I haven't seen good ones fold up to the abuse that, you know, we don't want to put our Jeeps through, but sometimes it's inevitable. It so, isn't the right JK, Moto, Metal, whatever it is, isn't that running all aluminum rocker guards and armor at King of the Hammers? Probably, but I'll bet you as soon as they got back, they pulled everything off and had to replace it. I think a lot of the aluminum stuff went out. When it, when it comes to like sliding on rocks, they probably hold up. It's, oh, it slides it's, great. It's the, yeah, it's, it's the falling off of a ledge or, or dropping onto it. That's where the steel's going to shine. Yeah, um, but the, the bumpers, I mean, just bumping into ledges. Uh, I've, 
they all bend and fold. The aluminum just can't take the abuse. Um, the thing is, is whether it's a, you know, what do you call it, an influencer or the company themselves, they put the stuff on, they beat the hell out of it. As soon as they get home, they change it, you know. Um, in fact, the, the one Jeep that I'm very familiar with because I installed the, all the aluminum bits, and that was circa 2018, um, he was an influencer. And the, all of the stuff was donated. He didn't pay for it. We put it on. It was beautiful. He took it to Moab, and I'm trying to remember what the paint bill was. When we brought it back, and after we got the rocker guard off, because um, it was the driver's side, he had like 7,800, 7, I think it was 7,800 um, in damage to the side of the Jeep that had to be fixed before new rocker guards could go on. Um, so it's, and it wasn't a hard hit. You know, if he would have just, if he would have had the factory Rubicon rocker guards on, it wouldn't have buckled like that. Um, so my recommendation to anybody is just stick with steel. Get good quality steel. Um, I mean, even the Rubicon ones are stronger than an aftermarket aluminum one, in my opinion. So I'm hearing you're not a fan of the aluminum ones. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is... <laughs> Well, and, and feel the same way about like, skid plates. Um, Under, underbody. So, the, so the, the factory skid plates do a hell of a good job. So putting, you know, like Artec or, or somebody else's aluminum skid plates, because most of the skid plates don't have you remove the factory stuff; they go over the factory stuff, which means they're just increasing the strength. And the aluminum skid plates, they do. They they definitely slide across things better. Um, I mean, they get gouged up pretty quick, but they they clearly slide across better without getting hung up as much. Um, and it saves some weight. You know, if, if you put all steel skid plates under your Jeep, you know, so transfer case skid, engine skid, uh, gas tank skid, and whatnot, all steel, you're looking at adding probably 300 pounds. You do all aluminum, you're probably adding 100 pounds. Um, and they're sacrificial... I looked it up about the Artec ones versus the metal club ones, and I thought when it came down to weight, it was only like a difference of like 30 or 40 pounds. Wow, that's surprising. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it's either uh, Genride or Next Gen, and it's, uh, they're, they're like the only aluminum ones that you actually remove the stock plates for, and that ended up being like a 30-pound net, but I think everything else is like, you know, within well under 100 pounds with the difference yeah. between aluminum and steel when you're keeping the stocks plates in. Yeah, I think if, if, if you keep all the stocks plates in, yeah, if you, if you keep all the stock plates in, the nice part is, is you're just distributing the load even more. Um, so, yeah, aluminum skids, and I mean, honestly, they're sacrificial lambs. If, if you bolt them on and they last for two or three years of good bashing, just buy another one. Right, it did its job. It saved your Jeep from the harm that was going to come to it. Um, nothing lasts forever, even if you put steel ones. If you beat on it too long, eventually it's going to fail. So I'll uh, remind you guys: when you put something really heavy, like a skid system, uh, really down low, and it's heavy, uh, that uh, lowers your center of gravity and lets you uh, to do ninety degree uh, turns uh, at uh, thirty miles an hour without uh, with ease. <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> that that is that is a benefit of 
uh, you know, lower center of gravity. The difference is, is the skid plates are not unsprung weight, they're sprung weight. Um, oh, that's true. So, you're, so if your track bars are in the wrong spot or you got some shit suspension, um, you're still going to get all that body roll. So the, Even though it's low center of gravity body roll. The interesting thing on the low, on the, the lower weight and the, the validity of, of aluminum on there, and this is, I'm trying to think back to when Tony joined us for the, the Zoom room when he was talking about it. He said, you can't think of, you know, not all aluminum is created equal. And when you're looking at a lot of these skid plate systems out there that are made of aluminum, they're not all created equal. There's different, obviously different types of aluminum. So there's different yeah, alloys. There's different alloys. grades of alloys. Basically, the stuff he was using, there was other reasons. It wasn't weight savings. It was, uh, I'm trying to remember, something to do with memory or, or repair. I can't remember exactly what it was. but Memory, was yeah. A, there was a reason why he went, not just him, but uh, what was there was that other company. It was RPM Steering. Yes. That does high rod and drag links, and they're all aluminum and everything else. There was a lot of discussion. Like, aluminum's come a long way in, like, just the last, you know, 10 years as far as the ability to make parts and stuff on the Jeep that are rivaling steel now in a lot of areas. The thing oh, yeah. is, and, and, and they're phenomenal. They use, oh, it's Jacob. They use phenomenal steel or phenomenal aluminum. They're, what, 4140s and stuff. They're using really good quality. The problem is, is it's still 33% as it's strong, as it's 33% as strong as its steel counterpart. So, um, you can do the same thing with steel. Look at companies like AEV who use Bora steel. Bora steel is, is essentially armor plating, uh, that the military uses. And <clears throat> they use like 10 gauge, uh, and even thinner, 14 gauge stamped Bora steel is as strong as quarter inch plate so um you can do the same thing with steel the downfall with the aluminum is it it's not as strong right and when you have a five thousand pound vehicle bouncing down onto a rock the rocker guard can't take the abuse the skid plates i'll give them that their their skid plates are great um but when it comes to the rocker guards it's a very expensive repair to fix your rocker guard once it's smashed in I'm I'm complete novice here, so you know probably a lot better than I do. But I looked it up. It was seventy seventy five T six aluminum, three eighths inch thick is what he runs for the the sliders that he makes all the, the stuff out of. So yep, and and at three eighths, I mean he's going really that's pretty thick. Um, and it I guarantee it's good quality for all the you know the skid plates. I still wouldn't use them as rocker guards. Um, and I think he and, runs a uh, I think he sells a metal. He calls it a rash guard. I think he yeah. sells metal rash guard that goes on on the outside of it. I don't know if that. I mean, surely that would help a little bit. But I don't know if that. Yeah, the, the ones the ones that we caved in and destroyed the side of the jeep had the metal rash guard on them. Oh, okay. um, it's. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal idea, and in, in probably ninety five percent of your off roading, it wouldn't be a problem. It's that one time when you fall off a ledge onto a boulder where it's it can be an issue i think that's um, an important point is that like i was saying about the sidesteps it, it, it 99 percent of the time is probably not going to be an issue it just really depends on what you use your jeep for uh so uh it it, it it's things like this that don't, just don't make sense to me to, to risk it and i think that's what you're right. talking about greg yeah um like the, the generate armors it really is they do a great job right they're good people it's a great company um and I'm not knocking them for doing it because you could put their rocker guards on with their bash bar, the whole nine yards, and it will outlast your Jeep. 
it's the one time you're in the wrong spot and you come off a ledge and now you, the entire side of your Jeep is destroyed. Um, which, which might never happen, right? right? You might never go to somewhere like Moab or the Rubicon Trail or, you know, somewhere nasty like that. You might, and, and even if you do go to Moab, you might drive the, the dainty trails the entire time and never have a problem. But when you do have a problem, it's really going to ruin your day, where if you would have just bought heel ones, you, it's, you're not going to have a bad day. But I'm not knocking it, right? It, it, works for, it works for a lot of people um, who are never going to be in that situation. And if you don't think you're going to put yourself in that situation or you just are willing to chance it, go for it. They're beautiful. They're made very well. They're made by a very reputable company. Um, I just, make- I, I, after seeing the damage that occurred, I wouldn't do it. Like he couldn't, the ledge he came off of wasn't large. Right, and he wasn't moving fast. Uh, he was probably traveling at two miles an hour, and the front tire dropped off the ledge, and then the jeep, you know, the weight of the jeep smacked into it. And with a steel rocker guard, I don't think it would have been an issue, but it caved that pinch seam and rocker up so far that's that not good. He could, he could no longer open or close his driver or passenger door. Duke's a hazard because it it hit right in the middle. Um, and because it deformed so much, neither door would open or close. Was it a pinch seam mount or? Um, no, they, so they were in the side of the body. So they, they had, you know, all the rib nuts on the side of the body. They were attached to the pinch seam and they went up under and attached to the um, body mount bolts. Wow. So they were, theoretically, they were, they were secured the most secure way you could put them. Um, it ju- they just couldn't take the load, right? And that Jeep had 42-inch tires and a Dana 60 front and a Dana 80 and a long arm. You know, it, was, it was a very built-up Jeep, um, so it weighed a lot more. It had the Generate cage in it and the Generate dashboard and, um, you know, every piece of armor they had. It just, the rocker guard couldn't, couldn't take the load of that hit. And it was so detrimental to the vehicle that I've always shied away from aluminum ones when customers ask. So let me ask this question about weight. I mean, I've heard a lot of people complain about, even people telling me uh, when I was building up the XJ with a lot of armor and stuff, because it's just fun. Uh, (laughs) And uh, also lights. Lights aren't heavy, though. Uh, What is the problem with having a heavy Jeep? Uh, other than miles per gallon, uh, getting up and over obstacles. I mean, if you have the gearing and the motor can get you down the road and up and over things, what is the difficulty of having a lot of weight? Uh, a lot of stress on the components. Yeah, you've got stress on the components and you've got, uh, you know, like overall stress on the components and gas mileage and stress on the motor and trans. Other than that, it doesn't matter. You know, they've been building Jeeps got heavy as shit in 2007. Right. Um, you know, gone are the days of the YJ and the TJ and the CJ that were relatively light vehicles. Um, the JK ushered in heavy ass Jeeps. You know, I mean, you can go to the store and buy a JL tomorrow and it's heavier than a late 90s pickup truck. So oh, wow. they're, they're just they're just heavy. Right, and then all the all the nanny controls, the the backup cameras, and the fancy dashboards, and the heated steering wheels, and heated seats, and um, you know, anti-lock brakes, and traction control, and all that stuff just adds weight. 
So, and surprisingly, a lot of weight. Like when I did the YJL for uh, Quadratech, the dash and the wiring was all over 500 pounds total. So all of the electrical components at it was 230 pounds. And then the dashboard was another, I forget, 100 and some pounds. So, My goodness. And, and we replaced that with the, the YJ dashboard was like maybe 18 pounds. And the YJ wiring harness was less than 15 pounds. So pulled out almost 500 pounds and put in less than 30. And it still did all the same stuff. So all that stuff adds up, right? The nanny controls and all the sound deadening and everything else, they, they, they make a lot of weight. But they also make very comfortable, very easy to use vehicles. So, you know, the modern Jeeper who goes out and buys a JL and loads it all up with tires and, you know, all the goodies that we all love. Um, they don't need the experience. Oh. Right? His wheelies will go everywhere your JL will go. Um, but it takes an experienced operator. It can't, you know, you can't just turn the key and drive up that trail. Uh, where you can with a brand new JL, and you can do it in comfort. Where when Jacob's doing that, he's not in comfort. He just has a smile from ear to ear. <laughs> so, so on that note, I'd like to offer a different perspective on the weight because um, I was I've been building a YJ for the better part of dude. I think I've had it twenty five years now, and at one point that YJ I had it on Dana forty four, Dana sixty, and thirty sevens. And without tools for me in it, that Jeep weighed 5,500 pounds. <laughs> and that and that presented a problem with towing. It, I For a while, I had a half ton, and then I went to a 89 V3500, and that gross vehicle weight rating on that one ton was only 10,000 pounds towing. So when I put my truck camper on the back and the Jeep behind it, it was giving it everything it could have to, to drag, our, drag us down the road to go wheeling. It's not as big an issue these days because uh, I upgraded my truck again, but uh, there was a there was a time I was really looking to cut weight, and I was looking at the aluminum, and Greg kept telling me not to do it, and I'd regret it. Ultimately, I upgraded the truck instead, but um, a lot of these trucks are only 7,200-pound towing capacity, these half tons. I mean, if you got the tow package, maybe 9,000. I mean, so some of that kind of factors in on the weight, too. That, that was my driving force when I was looking at the aluminum to, to cut weight anyway. Interesting. So got a better uh, a truck with better towing capacity instead of uh, uh, cheaping out or uh, whipping out on the uh, the armor, which I think is a good idea. And the reason your Jeep was so heavy is because of all the armor you put on it? No, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a combination of uh, I had the H1 beadlocks with the military tires and just the wheels and tires alone were over a thousand pounds. They're like 950 pounds. And then it was spring over with... Uh, with the 4460 and the hard top and hard doors. And ultimately I've stripped a lot of that back off now. Uh, but actually right now it's in pieces again. So there's a lot of weight missing, but Beyond this the, stuff, this we, stuff adds a lot of weight. That's, I was about to ask on that, Greg, just because you hear a lot about weight, but you also hear about the differences between sprung and unsprung. You even said it earlier and how the adding weight in different places will have, different effects so a lot more sprung weight gives you what uh, you said a lot more body roll and a lot of other detrimental effects where unsprung weight doesn't or whatever i think there's a big difference when you're talking about overall weight and where exactly that weight is 
Yeah, so so your un, unsprung weight is everything under your springs. So it's your axles, it's your most of your steering components, it's your tires, it's your wheels. Um, and unsprung weight does has different effects depending on your driving. If you're driving on the street, um, it actually keeps the vehicle more planted when you're going around corners and doing other things. Um, it does the same thing off-road. If you're going up big ledges or on off-camber areas, um, that unsprung weight really does keep you planted. Oh, I like that. Um, so, so the big heavy axles and the big heavy tires and wheels keep you more stable. Um, now, the sprung weight, which is everything above the springs. Oh, damn it. As, I don't like as long as, <laughs> as long as your track bars and your sway bars and your control arms are aligned properly, where most off-road suspensions do not put them in the right place um because most most of the companies aren't really engineers there's some good ones and i'm not going to pick apart any of the companies there's some great ones and then there's some ones that you know are sketchy but as long as your suspension is doing what it's supposed to do and your track bars are in the correct location and your sway bars are are functioning the right way um you can add a massive amount of weight up there, and as long as the springs and shocks are tuned for it, uh, it's not really a problem. You know, if you look at an Overland-style company, like uh, almost like AEV, AEV, their springs and shocks are designed with all of the crap that we put on our Jeeps, right? So that they're not just designing it to lift the vehicle, they're designing it to lift it and hold the steel bumpers and the winch and all the gear that we carry and all the crap that we carry. Um, and, and some other companies are starting to do that too, but the unsprung weight is everything above the springs. And if your track bar is off a little bit, when you go around a corner, you get that massive amount of body roll. So your track bar actually controls a lot of that as well as your sway bars. But um, if it's not mounted in the right spot, like if it's too far down on the frame and not far, not high enough on the axle and it's not parallel with the ground, we can go around the corner. The body does the big lean. Um, if you have a massive amount of weight on the vehicle, the, the lean is going to be more. Um, but same thing, if you have massive underpinnings, big Dynatrack axles or whoever, the unsprung weight will actually hold it down. So the downfall is, is the weight all of the weight combined starts to wear on transmission and transfer case and drive line um, because it, it takes more effort to get those things moving, even if you have gears. So even if you've geared your axles appropriately for your tire size, you're still causing additional strain on the engine during acceleration because it's still having to fight through all that weight. Um, Hey, so there's good and bad for every single part of it. All right. Other than than your tr your track bar being the same length as your drag link, and in the same plane, you know, set parallel with it, is what what else are you looking for as far as placement? Um. So so placement differs front to rear. So on the rear, it should be mounted as tight to the frame as possible on the frame side of the track bar, and then you want it essentially parallel to the earth and parallel to the axle. So typically on a JK, um, and I'll start JK, but typically on a JK, it's, it's at too much of an angle right from the factory. But once you lift it, it gets really dumb. If, 
if you're buying a suspension and they drop it at the frame, that company doesn't know how to do suspension. Don't buy it. Um, it should it should raise at the at the axle end uh, to get it as parallel as possible. Um, on the front, it's it's almost the same. Um, the angle from the factory is is technically a little too severe, um, but once you lift it, it really changes. So on JK and or JL uh, high steer kits, as soon as you get above a two and a half inch lift, you really should do a high steer kit, which moves the drag length to the top of the knuckle instead of the bottom side and gets that more in line and also moves the track bar up on the axle end. Um, they should be as parallel as they can to one another and as parallel to the earth as they can. But on a JK or a JL, anything above a two and a half inch lift really needs a high steer kit. Um, it will improve steering geometry and body roll. Oh, and bump steer. Right. Yeah, so and, you, it, and it helps with bump steer. Right. So you want to raise it. You want to raise it as high as you can on the axle side, but keep it as tight as you can on the frame side, front and back. Uh, yeah, you want it. You want it to keep them relatively tight, front and back. Now you can get away with on the front. You can get away dropping it a little bit. Um, on the back, you should never drop it. Okay. If you're talking JKJL. Um, How about TJ? TJ's a different animal. Um, the front track bar on a TJ, in my personal opinion, is a hot mess uh, <laughs> and should just be removed and thrown in the garbage. Yes. Um, in fact, on all the TJs and you know that I build, I do. I removed the front track bar and I replace it with a JK track bar and build a new. I build a new mount on the on the frame because the the frame side that ball joint on your track bar is just. It served a purpose when it first came out, but we're so past that purpose that there's no reason to keep it anymore. Um, Do you have thoughts on the Rough Country kit for the TJ then? Honestly, um, I've never played with one, but uh, I, I mean, I know Rough Country's here. They're in what, Carolina or whatever. Um, Tennessee. Yep. And I know they sell a lot of parts. <laughs> I've personally never installed one, so I can't give my opinion. Um, I, just kept, I just went and had one mounted on an LJ. The guy talked me into it, despite the fact that there were other people saying, "Don't ever bolt a rough country part on your on a on a, on a really good build, right?" right? So I I bit the bullet and I'm trying it. Right? If it, if it screwed up, I'll have somebody put a JK one. Right. Well, no, is it rough country or rusties? It's rusties. Rusties is is in Carolina. Rough country is is overseas. Right. Tennessee. Oh, they're Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Rough yeah country. Then, well, they're they're offices in Tennessee. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. The parts the parts may be from overseas. Yeah. I, I think yeah, so, I want to say Rusty's is either in Alabama or Georgia. I thought it was yeah, Tennessee Rust, too. Rust, Rusty's is the is the U.S. company. So Rough Country. Right. Um, I've never personally installed a Rough Country. I I will tell you that I have removed probably close to forty. Rough country suspensions and throwing them in the garbage. Suspensions, but the track bar I'm talking about, I would never put. So I'm going to go TerraFlex Metal Cloak on suspensions just on the track bar mount itself because it relocated. Because isn't it the way that it's made? It comes in kind of at the wrong angle. And the, 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 this one it turns it so that it's wearing correctly. Right. Well, and it's. Um, the track bar on a TJ is this weird ball joint thing that goes up in the frame. And um, 
you know, basically it's a, it's a tie rod end yeah. attached yeah. to a bar. Um, and, and it had wallowed out the hole as well as worn out that ball joint. Right. Um, usually what I do is I just cut that entire bracket off the frame, which is a big, it's a big ordeal because that bracket is huge, but, right. um, I, I couldn't tell you to the quality of the rough country part. I really couldn't because no, I never it, touched it. So, so when you cut the, the, the stock TJ one off, you're welding a JK one on. Well, I'm not using a JK one, but that, that principle, I, okay. I just hand make them. Right. So I take. I take a big plate of steel like right here and I cut my yep. own and put them on the frame okay. and roll them up. Got it. Got it. Understood. Um, yeah. So, so I couldn't tell you anything about theirs. I know that the best one back in the day, the best PJ suspension bar none was the nth degree suspension, but uh, they've been, you know, when a AEV owned them for like a year and a half and then sold them to a company called Nowhere to Jeep in Pennsylvania and, he played money problems and eventually died, but the nth degree long arm and all their components was literally the best TJ suspension you could find. Um, that was a bolt-on kit and not homemade. Um, and I, I know there's good ones like uh, Rock Crawler makes a great TJ suspension today. Um, I know a couple people that installed their new hotness and, and it works really well. So there, there's a million things to do, but TJ still, you know, in my personal heart, it's one of my favorite Jeeps. I'll say from my experience with, uh, we're just talking about the rough country, the arms that I've dealt with aren't bad, but I've always used like metal cloak springs and then put a good shock with them and never had an issue. Yep. And that's worked out fine, but I've never used any of their Springer shock stuff. I originally yeah. used a, a Rough Country track bar, I think front and rear on the on our JL, and within six months it was rusted and locked up, um, stuff like that. So I mean, it, it wasn't that big of a, a savings. I definitely swapped that out. They do have some interesting stuff. So they actually have a high steer kit yep. on the JLJT and for like 160 bucks. It is like a half a drag link. <laughs> yeah, it's so 160 bucks of I want to kill myself when I drive. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's it's <laughs> the smart. lower. It's it, it uses the upper of the. It's easy. I guess it's easy to install, but at least it uses this the stock upper drag link end, and then it just replaces the lower and then or outer whatever you want to call it, and then it's high steer. So they have the they they go through the top of the hole instead of the bottom, I guess. But it was, uh, I remember seeing that and I was like, man, that's, it's, that, that's almost scary after, after what I saw their track bar doing where you don't even have a ball joint in it. Yeah. When it, when it comes to steering, um, 2017, I met the boys from Steer Smarts at SEMA and I've never mm -hmm. gone back. Okay. You know, their stuff, their stuff's made right in Ohio. They're the longest and oldest forge in the country. Um, 100% U.S. made and manufactured. I stick with the, I mean, that's what I use on every build. Even this Landrover behind me is getting your smart steering. What about the knuckles? So, because I've, I've got the factory JK steel knuckles, and keep them, keep well, them, enjoy them. With, uh, when you go to the high steer high steer kit, you're just flipping the drag or the is it the drag link or the tie rod? You know which one? You're flipping one so of drag them. link. Yeah, drag it, link. It, it flips the drag link. Here, I can actually show you right here because I've got a front axle next to me. 
Um, so it's very easy over there. The, the, the reason why I was bringing it up because you see the reed knuckles out there. And I've always been curious, like what advantage does a reed knuckle give you over like a factory steel knuckle? Oh, they're stronger and they move the steering, but you know, again, you're putting a lot more money. So here, this is the driver's side and steer smarts by rod over here on the other side. I don't know if you guys can see it. So this is the this is the tie rod, and then this and these are factory JK knuckles. Um, a factory drag link comes in from the bottom, and then a high steer one. Basically, they just change the ball joint and it comes in from the top, um, which moves it up approximately three inches. So it moves that point, the mounting point, up three inches, and then the same thing right here. This is your track bar. So this is your factory hole. Because this is a Dynatrack, so it's a little heavier duty. Factory hole for the track bar, lifted hole for the track bar. So it moves it up that same three inches, which gets you back on the appropriate plane. Um, a high steer kit, again, JK. JK, really, you need more than two and a half inches. Um, because otherwise you'll run into the drag link right into frame clearance when you're compressing the axle, but two and a half to three and a half or anything above that, you should really do a high steer kit. Um, and if you're not going long arm, I would also recommend like AEV geometry correction brackets. Um, and I, I noticed that Eric Ammer. Well, I hate to end this, uh, this, show, this episode on uh, the great information that Greg has given us. Greg always has great information to give. He's been messing around with this stuff for a lot of years, and uh, I, I personally find it just very enjoyable having him on the show and showing, him us, all, showing us all these things. And it's, uh, it's much less work to see what Greg's doing to it than uh, whenever I'm having to do it to it personally. <laughs> I don't sweat as much when I watch Greg do it. <laughs> All right, so uh, I just want to remind you guys that you can join the Zoom room, too, and be part of the conversation. We do this every Tuesday night. The pre-party starts at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, so you can actually get in on the Zoom meeting at that time and uh, join in uh, discussion with the other Zoom meeting members. They, uh, they call themselves Zoom people. And, uh, yeah, they have a good time before the show. And then around 8 p.m., uh, usually at 8 p.m. Central Time, we start the show and uh, uh, ask a question or two or have a guest. I think we're going to have some, uh, some guests coming up uh, pretty soon that you're going to want to be able to be on the Zoom meeting so that you can interact with them and uh, ask questions of them. And it's, it's a great opportunity to, uh, to actually talk to uh, people in the industry. At least that's our plan, and that's what we've done in the past. I uh, haven't had a, 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 a meeting, uh, a Zoom meeting uh, guest this year yet, but I think we have one coming up uh, pretty soon. I know uh, Dennis from Terraflex uh, said he was very interested in doing one of those, and I'm sure you guys have some, uh, some Terraflex questions. And that brings us to the end of another exhilarating Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episode. I want to express my deepest gratitude to our incredible panel of Jeep enthusiasts for sharing their valuable insights, experiences, and expertise with us today. Your passion for Jeeps is truly inspiring, and we're grateful for your contributions. Hey, I want to remind everybody about our Patreon. If you get anything out of the show, if you get a laugh, uh, you get some information, uh, just any kind of entertainment uh, whatsoever, uh, consider being a Patreon subscriber and supporting us financially. Uh, Patreon is a way you 
you can subscribe to the show. You get ad-free content, early access to episodes, a Jeep Talk Show sticker, and discount codes. I'm going to repeat that, discount codes that will save you money. There's several uh, Jeep Talk Show uh, Patreon subscribers that have uh, saved a lot more than what the uh, the $5 fee uh, was that uh, that they pay or continue to pay. Uh, so in a, as I mentioned, as little as $5 gets you started supporting the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. So until next time, keep those Jeeps running strong, hit those trails with confidence, and remember, it's not just a vehicle, it's a way of life. This has been Tony hosting the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episode, and we'll catch you on the next ride. Broadcasting since 2010.